Welcome into the Cougar Tailgate, where BYU fandom lives. Here's your host, Cole Wissinger. What's up, Cougar fans? I missed you last week. BYU had a bye week to recover from a heart-wrenching game against Toledo in more ways than one, but we will get there. First, this is the Cougar Tailgate. I'm Cole Wissinger, and every week when BYU's got a game on the schedule, we talk about the traditions and history of Cougar athletics and also the opponents that they play. And we always start with a little recap of how we got here. Claps the hands twice, takes a thigh-high snap, settles in the pocket, throws deep down the right side. He's got Aleva Hifo, the pass is there, and the catch is there. Aleva inside the 30, still on his feet, 25-20, makes a man miss, 15, 10, 5, going in, touchdown! 75-yard score! 75 yards out, now that's a touchdown. Two weeks ago, the Cougs were in Toledo, Ohio, for a battle against the Rockets of the MAC. Defense dominated the first quarter, but Toledo scored on their opening drive of the second with a field goal. And then to close out the half, BYU answered with a touchdown, starting a trend of back-and-forth scoring for the day. Credit the touchdown to Emmanuel Asupa on a 32-yard dash. Cougars kept that momentum over the halftime break. Cue Aleva Hifo's 75-yard score that we already heard, and that opened half number two. It was the third play of the half. Toledo responded, though, with a field goal and a touchdown and a two-point conversion during the third quarter to tie the game at 14. BYU came back with another Aleva Hifo touchdown. Hifo's now our leading receiver in receptions, yards, and touchdowns. The Rockets' star runner, Bryant Kobach, tied the game at 21 to start the fourth quarter, and that's where the chaos began. BYU would put together a pretty good-looking drive, get all the way down to the 35 in scoring territory. But you see, Jake Oldroyd, who'd only missed two kicks in his BYU career before this game, missed two in the first half. And so the Cougs go for it on fourth and medium instead of kicking it, and they don't make it. But it's still a tie game. The Rockets took over, got into field goal range themselves, when Late in the Chaz Ayu was Johnny on the, on the spot. To to Kobach. Kobach gets to the second level and has another first down for Toledo to the 20. Ball comes loose and the Cougars have it. Cougar football! The Cougars have it! They knock it loose and recover and keep hope alive! Fumble recovery Cougars. But on the very next play, Zach Wilson, who was banged around all game long, threw an interception. Toledo put it in the end zone on the next play, and 28-21 to was how the game would end. Wilson did not come back in after that pick, and we found out after the game that he will likely miss the next six to eight weeks with a fractured thumb. After Tyson Williams' season ended in Washington, that makes back-to-back weeks with devastating injuries on the offense. But camp standout Jaron Hall is ready to start at quarterback this week. Yeah, we've got some work to do, and, and, and it's time now to, for a gut check, you know, see what we're made out of and, and for our depth to step up. We have some guys that are banged up and some opportunities now for the young guys and other guys to step in when their number's called, and let's see how they, re- they respond. The Bulls head into this week's game with the same 2-3 and three record as the Cougars, but coming off a win against conference foe UConn last week. South Florida got off to an early 14-0 lead. 
The Huskies would answer with a touchdown of their own about midway through the second quarter, and then back and forth and back again scoring took both teams to the locker room for halftime, with the score sitting at 27-14. QB Jordan McLeod tossed his third TD of the game, adding to one rushing score as well in the third quarter, and USF never looked back. Final score, 48-22. Running back Jordan Cronkite was the bell cow of the day, picking up 148 yards on the ground and teamed up with McLeod and other runners. The Bulls rushed for 313 yards total. Coach Charlie Strong is 16-1 with this team when they can outrush their opponents. The path is clear for USF as they prepare to welcome Cougar Nation down to Tampa. Coming up on the show, we're going to talk about South Florida football with the longtime radio voice of the Bulls. Don't go anywhere. Did you know 30 former Bulls have been drafted in the NFL, including Pro Bowlers Jason Pierre-Paul and Mike Jenkins and young standouts Marlon Mack and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. The opposing team's fight song means it's time to learn about the opposing team from the expert. That was the Golden Brahmin March, and that's just one of the things I want to learn about today from the longtime play-by-play guy of South Florida football. I'm so honored to have Jim Lauk on the program with us today. Welcome into the Cougar Tailgate. Thanks. And my first question, before I make a fool out of myself for the rest of this show, I seem to remember back in 2006, 2007, when South Florida was coming into prominence, that someone said, y'all prefer South Florida to USF. Um, Could you be the voice of your university here and set the record straight? Which would you rather be uh, referred to here? Well, all things change over time, and uh, in the time when uh, the team was uh, consistently in the top 25, that was an era where university leadership wanted USF as opposed to South Florida. But now, just in the last couple of years, the South Florida name has kind of made a comeback, and it's even uh, on the front of uh, the Bulls' football uniforms now. So I guess we're probably in a territory where either one is okay, but uh, you do start to see South Florida a little bit more frequently in the last couple of years. Gotcha. And I'm I'm safe if I just say the Bulls, right? That's the safest. All right. So we are celebrating 150 years of college football. It's been a celebration across the college football landscape. But you guys' history is a little shorter than some of these other historic schools. Can you give us a little bit of the history that you've been able to jam-pack here uh, in your short time in, in Division One football? Well, this is the 23rd year of USF football. Today's game will be the 270th in program history. Started in 1997 as a 1AA, which was the terminology for the FCS level at that right. time, and got it turned around pretty quick to go to Division 1A, played as an independent for a couple of years, 
Got into Conference USA for two years, then the Big East for eight years, and the Americans since then. So they've had a couple of uh, of seasons where they were top ten nationally. They peaked at number two in 2007. A lot of people remember that, mm-hmm. but a lot of people don't remember that the following year, 2008, they were in the top ten as well. Uh, have been nationally ranked as recently as two years ago. So it's uh, it's been a, a jam-packed run for 23 years. A lot has happened in a short amount of time. You betcha. With all that conference hopping, what would you say is USF's biggest rival on the football field? Well, that too has changed over time. In the Big East days, it was, I think, West Virginia because they had a couple of great matchups with them. Uh, Louisville uh, would probably fall into that category as well. Now that things have settled into the American, it's probably UCF. You know, that's a school that's only about 90 miles down the road in Orlando, so it makes a lot of geographic sense. Teams now in the same conference play in all sports, so we see them a lot, they see us a lot. So that's, that's probably the most heated one right now. And so in those rivalry games or in, in your history covering the team, what's a memory that stands out to you? What's, what's one game or one moment that you're always going to carry with you? Well, in that run in 2007, there were some, some really great victories. They had an overtime win at Auburn, which kind of propelled them into the top 25. Uh, that same year, they beat UCF 64-12, to 12, and that was right. uh, kind of a game that, uh, that Bulls fans kind of hang on to a little bit. Uh, they've uh, they've had a history of really winning some classic games. They beat Notre Dame in South Bend uh, in the 2011 season. Uh, in their first year as a 1A program, they beat Pittsburgh in Heinz Field. So there's there's a few games. They hold a win over Florida State. They hold a win over Miami, and that's kind of how this this program built itself up in the early years was being willing to go on the road and play uh, some of the top teams in the nation and more than once or twice they were able to walk out with a win yeah i mean so byu in independence right now has kind of gotten a lot of attention for how front heavy our schedule is but i agree with you you got to schedule those big names if you want to get your name up there with them Yeah, and even after all these years, USF is still kind of doing the same thing. They have a a series with Alabama uh, set to go in a couple of years with Alabama playing the first game in the series here in Tampa. They have future series with Florida. They have future series with Miami. Um, So they've kind of continued that philosophy of not only trying to strengthen the schedule, but also trying to please the fans and give them some intriguing teams to come into Raymond James Stadium every year. Hey, there we go. You're you're reading my mind here. Let's go into a game day at Raymond James. You share the stadium with the Buccaneers. I'm familiar with the name of the stadium from being an NFL fan for all these years. Is that kind of unique from from your perspective or from the players being able to play in an NFL field? 
Yeah, there's good and bad with it. Um, you know, the difficulty, I think, uh, is that it's about 15 miles away from campus, so it's mm. a little bit of a journey for the students. Uh, but it's a, a fantastic facility, obviously. It's hosted Super Bowls and playoff games and uh, college football championship games. So mm-hmm. it's a tremendous venue um, the playing surface is great. The amenities for fans are really nice. So it's definitely a great place to play football. It's been the Bulls' home really throughout the program. The only home games they've played anywhere else were the first nine home games at the very outset of the program in the old Tampa Stadium before Raymond James was built. Hey, that was the so, big sombrero, you know, right? Yeah, yeah, they played their their first year and the first two games of the second season there before the new facility opened. All right. Hey, did they ever let you guys fire the cannons on the big pirate ship? We do not fire the cannons, (laughs) no. Okay, that's all right. Don't have to worry about that on Saturday. Okay. So, and what about that student section? They got a little bit of a trek to get there, but what's kind of unique about the fan experience for USF? Well, the student section's usually pretty strong. They are in the north end zone. Uh, if you're familiar with the stadium, they're kind of right in front of where the pirate ship is. So, so that's the end zone to avoid atmosphere. for our BYU fans. <laughs> yeah, it'll be loud there. And, you know, obviously, like most student sections, they take pride in being really loud when the opposing team has the ball down on that end of the field. So uh, they'll definitely make their presence known uh, today. And, uh, you know, we're looking for a good crowd, and it should be a great atmosphere. And uh, supposedly some uh, good weather is going to hold throughout the day today, so it should be a pleasant day. Awesome. Uh, Sticking on with that student experience, the student environment, tell us a little bit about uh, the mascot, what its name is, what it looks like. Mascot is Rocky, and uh, he'll be uh, definitely around throughout the game. He is a bull, as you would guess. Um, Gone through, uh, as most mascots do, gone through some changes over the years, but the the current iteration is, uh, is pretty popular and pretty well-known symbol of the university at this point. So, yeah, it's a bull, and y'all's nickname is the Bulls, and we've gone over that. But if I did my research right, uh, it wasn't always going to be that. Do you know the story of kind of where the Bulls came from and and why they chose that? Well, the original uh, nickname was Brahmins, and that dates back to the 1970s. This is a very young athletic program. It's a very young university uh, the first intercollegiate athletic uh, teams here were soccer and cross country. They started in 1965, and then basketball came in in 1970, and football in 1997. So uh, pretty short histories, but started off life as the Brahmins, and it kind of evolved. And I think Bulls were were probably pretty much in place by the mid 70s or so. I came in actually in 1983. And even by then, you had a hard time finding people that remembered the Brahmin's <laughs> nickname. With Rocky the Bull, what are some other of the recognizable names that people associate with USF? How about on the field? Who are some of the favorite players that, you know, you've, if you've been there since the 80s, what are some of your favorite interviews you've done? Who are the personalities that have flowed through USF? 
Well, there have been some great uh, football players, including some that are starring in the NFL now. Marlon Mack, the running back from Indianapolis, played here. Uh, also, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, starting wide receiver on the uh, Green Bay Packers. Mm-hmm. Uh, a good amount of former Bulls have made it uh, into the N- NFL and some great interviews there. Um, in the NBA, uh, a few guys have made it into that league. So really, you know, pretty much every sport, Bulls have, I think, three guys currently on Major League Baseball rosters. Uh, so there have been some good personalities over the years and some guys that uh, that were good interviews, and it's always great to to see guys star at the college level for you and then go on to find professional success. Before I let you go here, you've done uh, just a superb job getting us introduced to what South Florida football means. But on the field today, do you have any any idea of what fans can expect to see? What What are some predictions, if you can? Well, I, I wouldn't predict the score. I'm not very good at that, to be honest <laughs> nah, with you. I. I, you know, I will predict that USF will work very hard to get their running game going. They feel like that's a really important part of their, uh, not only their offense, but all their game overall to, to try to control the line of scrimmage. They've struggled with that a little bit this year. And then last week on the road at Connecticut, they really got that going. They ran for over 300 yards, and the whole game just changed for them in terms of what they could do uh, both offensively and defensively because of that. So I think they'll try to come out and reestablish that again. Their play has been a little uneven at home so far this year. I think they're anxious to put out a a good showing for the home fans. This is the homecoming game today, so uh, it's going to be a game that the uh, the emotions are running high, I think, for the USF players. Oh, yeah. And anything special for homecoming you want to throw out there? Lots of parades and <laughs> uh, lots of other USF teams in action throughout the weekend and hopefully a lot of alumni coming back. That's awesome. Thank you again very much, Jim. Lauk is the play-by-play man in charge of South Florida football, uh, and we appreciate you coming on the show today. Sure, no problem. BYU's hoping for a little more success today than they have had playing in the Sunshine State in the past. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about Florida football on the Cougar Tailgate. Did you know USF is the fastest FBS team to be ranked in the top 10? And in this 150th year of college football, they became the fastest to 150 wins. tailgate i'm cole wissinger byu is on the road in the eastern time zone again this week getting ready for south florida kickoff just about an hour away a sad did you know that didn't quite make the cut for our little did you knows the pop-up during the show mainly because we try to be optimistic here on the program is that byu is 0-7 playing football in the sunshine state That includes a few away games and a few bowl games even, most recently after the 2014 season when they lost in double overtime to Memphis in the first ever Miami Beach Bowl. 
That was the game with the brawl at the end, all over a kind of game that we want to forget. By the way, USF, our opponent today, was the American Conference representative in the second ever Miami Beach Bowl the next year, where they lost to Western Kentucky. Uh, Then the next year, Tulsa played Central Michigan, and then the whole dang bowl just up and moved to Texas. Now it's the Frisco Bowl. Bowl games are weird. College football's weird. Anyway, BYU never won in the state of Florida, but that's no knock on the Cougs, really. Florida has a rich history of college football. There's seven FBS teams that call Florida home, and they have won 12 national championships. Give or take. I counted UCF here. So Florida's known for great football, but Florida is also known for some other things, which brings us to producer Terry, a longtime fan of these very specific kind of Florida stories. Yes, they're called Florida Man Stories. Yeah. It's an internet meme, I guess you could say. Sure. And it, it kind of took off as I was reading uh, up on the history of this. In 2013, there was just a landslide of stories that all had the headline, Florida Man. Does something weird. Yes. Florida Man does, here's a sample. It says, okay. Florida Man charged with assault with a deadly weapon after throwing alligator through Wendy's drive through window. That sounds very Florida of him. They're all, <laughs> and you'll find them online if you just look up Florida Man, they're, they're crazy. Hopefully there's a lot of reptile-themed ones. There are. There's snakes and all <laughs> kinds of stuff. There's one here that says, Florida Man tries to rob store while wearing transparent bag over his head and there's a photograph from a uh, surveillance camera he's got a ziploc bag pulled over his head and he's trying to rob a store gallon size not uh, sandwich yeah i mean it's kind of a big head i mean you can see his face right and everyone can see who he is but he thinks he's doing something hiding his identity these are just bad criminal stories but they're specific to florida the reason we know about all these stories is they have really liberal open records laws so when people get arrested, the police write out this entire report, and then all the newspapers in Florida and TV stations can sit there and comb through the stories until they find something crazy. It just happens in Florida. And it doesn't Florida. take long to right. find something crazy. There's a lot of crazy, but I would say there's a lot of crazy all over the place. It's just they have an open records law huh. where other states don't really have access that same way. Okay. So that's why we have all the stories the way they are. Florida Man, Florida really Man. fun, um, and we're going to have a little fun with Florida Man, because you've prepared for us some sports-specific, football-specific Florida Man stories. Yes, and then you need to, I guess, guess Yeah, so we're talking about it is. an ambiguous Florida Man. I mentioned that there's seven FBS teams, so we've got seven different Florida Man stories, one for each school. Um, I'm going to try to figure out which Florida Man you're talking about. Mm, okay, so here's the first one. University of South Florida man celebrates birthday with victory over 17th-ranked Auburn throwing for a touchdown. Well, we just learned from our new friend Jim Lauk that that Auburn game happened in the 2007 season. That was during that historic run. They get up to second-ranked in the nation. And the only, I mean, honestly, the only South Florida quarterback that I can remember at all was the quarterback that was during this time. And it was Matt Grothy. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. I remember him because I was in high school, and he was just a cool dude. He ran the ball a lot. He was a bigger fella, uh, could bowl people over, and he had a mohawk, and I I loved the way he played. Why don't I remember this guy? He had a mohawk. (laughs) Did he go on to play in the NFL? He was undrafted. Really? Okay. Yeah. Didn't really do anything afterwards. Good, but not 
that good. Mm-hmm. Had a great defense for those mid two thousands South Florida teams. There, there is an interesting situation down there because you have Miami, Florida, Florida State. Those mm-hmm. are kind of your big schools. Yeah, but then you have these other schools which are more directional: South Florida, South Central, Central Florida. <laughs> And you see them, and they're kind of upstarts. They've only been around for a, less than a decade or right around 10 years. Mm-hmm. And now they're starting to make some, some noise. You, you start to see them on the, on the, higher, rank, you know, uh, the higher levels of college football. Exactly. But still, you see the name, and you're like, what is that? Is that like, a, you know, like a, a fake college from some movie or so? Was that the Blue Chips school or right, was that right. on the program? What was the, the, all these different movies for sports they make up, and they're always like some regional Florida school? And for South Florida, because we're playing them this week, I had to like look at a map of Florida. To see it turns where it was. out, so this is in Tampa. Yeah, turns out Tampa not really that south. It's yeah, definitely it's uh, what Western Florida because mm-hmm. it's right on the Gulf of Mexico, but it's pretty kind of lateral to Orlando, <laughs> so which is really where south. Central yeah. Florida is. Right. So what makes it South versus Central? Versus I don't know. Miami's very South. Yes, that's exactly. South Florida. Maybe yeah. I don't know. That's the. It's just interesting. There's so many people down there. There's all this talent for football, so you can have these other schools pop up and be very good because yeah. they have access to that same talent. Next question, okay. or next headline, I guess. Ooh. University of Central Florida man breaks Steve Young's single-season completion percentage record to cap off an amazing senior year. Okay. Um, I know, again, one University of Central Florida quarterback – uh, and he was drafted in like 2014-ish. Blake Bortles went to the Jags. Really? Um, is But, I mean, he wasn't exactly known for his completion percentage. Was Still it? isn't. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> was it Blake Bortles? No. Oh. Oh, Nin- what, so what year? 1998. Who was the quarterback of Central Florida in ni- No idea. Who are we talking about? Dante Culpepper. No way. Vikings quarterback. Vikings, yeah. I, w- I couldn't have told you that he went to Central Florida. That's why we do the research. That's right. <laughs> uh, next one, Florida International Man. There's the stretch for you. Gotcha. Florida, FIU. <laughs> Florida International Man named MVP of Little Caesars Pizza Bowl <laughs> and finishes junior season with over 2,000 all-purpose yards. Can we just take a moment and appreciate the <laughs> Little Caesars Pizza Bowl? Right. <laughs> this was – so I'll give you some history because I know I, – I'm a huge fan of college football bowls right. as – the was in my little crazy. intro. Yeah. They change around all the time. I love it. This is actually the former Motor City Bowl, right? It used to be like the Motor City, the Music City. So this they is had all Detroit. Those. Well, this Detroit, is Detroit is the home of Little Caesars Pizza. I learned that because that's where the Little Caesars Bowl right. takes place. Um, the almonds, what Emerald Almonds. Yeah. I know that they're based in San Francisco because mm-hmm. the Emerald Almonds Bowl uh, took place in San Francisco. There you go. You can learn all kinds of things from college football. That's right. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so there was a Florida International Man. FIU guy. Named the MVP of that game. I have I couldn't name a single guy that went to that school. I didn't even know that they were FBS before this week. I didn't either. So uh, T.Y. Hilton. All right. Yeah. So Colts wide receiver, now missing Andrew Luck, unfortunately, still having a pretty decent year. Right. Um, he went to FIU. It Apparently. seems like a guy of his talent... Would have been to a different yeah. school in Florida. But this is the thing where there's only so many spaces. And if you if there's other players that are a little bit better than you, you're going to end up with a possibility of still playing Division One football, yeah. but you'll have to be at Florida International or one of these other, other sort of second-tier Florida schools. Gotcha. But those second-tier schools are knocking off the big guys now. 
We love occasional. it. Parody. It's great. Um, Florida Atlantic man hired to contract hired to contract extension for the next 10 years after head coaching stints at Tennessee, USC, and the Oakland Raiders. Okay, this one I definitely know. Now, before, if we hadn't done FIU first, I could not tell the difference between FIU and FAU. Right. But I know that Lane Kiffin yeah. is currently the coach of one of them. It must be this one. Yeah. Lane Kiffin is the answer. I read a story recently about his time at Tennessee. Uh-huh. It's wonderful. When he decided successful. to leave Tennessee abruptly and go to USC and yes. just the chaos that caused on campus. Mm-hmm. He had to law he went to his office and just hid because kids are out in the parking yeah. lot lighting mattresses on fire. And this is a guy he Couches brought his dad to coach with him there too. His, Monty Kiffin was like this old man, the great coach of that like two thousand two Buccaneers defense. His dad had just bought a house on this golf course. It was like his <laughs> dream house, and now we're going to California. Okay. Uh, and he kind of left. Sad and people and people would come by and yell at his house and throw golf balls at his house because he's one of those traders that went to California instead of staying in Tennessee. Sure, uh, Florida State man breaks NFL Combine forty yard dash record with a lightning fast four point two seven. This is prime time, yeah. Deion Sanders. That's him. I love. There are so many like stories around that. I and. I learn about them because I'm the kind of football nerd that watches the NFL Combine on TV mm-hmm. every single year in Indianapolis. I, I remember it used to be that it was just like me and a couple other weirdos that would do this, so there yeah. weren't a lot of commercial breaks. Now it's actual yeah. TV that people it's, watch it's and they commercial. put commercials. It used to almost be just like a live feed, but because so, nobody cared. Now it's this big. The- they they have the stadium. There's a huge like PR situation mm-hmm. around it, and they really play it up like a Super Bowl week. Yeah. Almost. And, and Primetime now works for the NFL Network, and he they does. put him down next to the 40-yard dash to, like, grab guys as they finish their run and talk to them, do a little, like, sideline reporting, even though there's no sideline because this video, isn't the game. There's a video of Deion Sanders in 19, probably 89, sure. when he was on one of the late-night talk shows, like The Tonight Show or something, and just the, the get-up he wore walking in, the, the, the costume, if you will. He oh, wore yeah. his, I mean, he had... Everything's bright and shiny and glittery. And People think Cam Newton time. is yeah. like a new thing. No. Nah, football players have had this style for quite some time. Fun to watch that. I love, so Prime, my favorite story, like, so he's the guy that stops the guys that run the 40. When he ran the 40 at the Combine, he just kept running. Like, there's all right. these just mythical stories about... Yeah, Dion just ran it, and he kept running, waved to the coaches, and left the whole stadium. <laughs> see it. Look up stories. Just Dion, forty yard dash. He's got a personality. Uh, Miami, Florida man becomes record sixth player from the same school taken in the first round of the NFL draft. Six players from the same team, all going in the first round. So I, this one's tough because I don't know who like the sixth one was. I can name a few of the other guys. Mm-hmm. I know that. So it was either it was like around oh three oh four oh five that just all of these Miami Florida players were getting drafted because those were the oh one oh two national champion and almost right. national champion Miami teams. The backfield I remember specifically: Clinton Portis, Willis McGahee, and Frank Gore, who by the way is still somehow playing, were all on those Miami teams. Jeremy Shockey and Kellen Winslow Jr. were both playing tight end. They right. had linebackers like John Vilma. Their defense, they had big man Vince Wilfork was in the middle. Uh, Ken Dorsey, I don't think was a first rounder, but he was the quarterback at least mm-hmm. for that team. Um, right. 
So which? So tell me which uh, year? Vince was... Wilfork that you talked about. All right, he was the sixth. He guy. was the sixth guy taken in the first round of which? Two thousand four. Gotcha. So two thousand four draft. He was also, a lineman, right? He yeah, defense big. Defensive, defensive lineman, big guy. <laughs> uh, final one here. Florida man wins first Heisman Trophy in school history. So wrapping it out with the University of Florida, the Gators. Um. So, so Tim Tebow won the Heisman, but probably not the first in school history. Uh, there was Danny Warfel, I think. Uh, was he a Heisman? Fred Taylor, I might have won a Heisman. Who are we talking about? Steve Spurrier. Oh, way the ball, oh, the first, ball coach, first Heisman. Okay, <laughs> to the point where you're like, he played. Yeah, he's been that long at long ago. But yeah, he uh, he was. You go watch some tape on him. He was really good. And, and now now he just tries to figure out what coaching job he can have to be as close to a golf course as possible. <laughs> I mean, he was known, when I was a kid, he was known for coaching at the University of Florida right. as well. Yeah. So I've, I guess I forgot that he went there. He went also. there, he played, he was a big, you know, big time uh, part of that university's history, uh-huh. but he also won, you know, titles. He was a he was a coach. Did he win a title at Florida? I, uh, coaching, yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought maybe he was one of those guys. Oh, another Florida man story? Yeah. Florida man breaks into jail to hang out with friends. That's the Florida it's man. It's just crazy stuff these people do. Well, thanks, thanks, Terry, for introducing us to all these Florida men, football or no. Um, always entertaining stories to go into here on the Cougar Tailgate. When we come back, we will talk to a BYU fan that's deep in the heart of enemy territory today and get to know the city of Tampa. Don't go anywhere. Did you know Tony La Russa is a graduate of USF, class of 69. He is in the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown and won three World Series managing the A's and the Cardinals. Welcome back into the Cougar Tailgate. I'm Cole Wissinger. The BYU fan base and alumni network is nationwide, as anyone who tuned into any of our away games this year can tell you, whether it's been Toledo, Tennessee, or today in Tampa Bay. As we get ready for the University of South Florida, we have the event coordinator for the tailgate down in Tampa, Sarah Watson, on the line. Hello, Sarah. Hi. Um, So you graduate from BYU with the pretty mountains and the great skiing, what takes you over to the Sunshine State? <laughs> it's actually what takes me back to the Sunshine State. That's where I was born and raised, and I came to BYU from Florida, so I headed home. Oh, right on. So you born and raised in Florida, took a little bit of break, and then you're back home, right? Correct. So as a lifetime Floridian, what is your favorite thing about Florida? My favorite thing about Florida is their beaches. We have some of the best beaches in the world, and... I spend most of my summers at the beaches. I love the warm weather, the blue water, and just everything that goes with that. Sounds beautiful. And so I'll be honest here. Uh, I was a football fan before I was a geography fan. So growing up, I thought the name of your fine city there was Tampa Bay because the Devil Rays were called the Tampa Bay Rays. The Buccaneers were Tampa Bay. But it's it's just Tampa, right? Correct. It is just Tampa. Um, Now, there is the we do have... We live on the Gulf Coast, so there is a bay um, in oh, downtown Tampa, and I think 
I think that's where the name Tampa Bay comes from. So there is a Tampa Bay, but you live in Tampa, Correct. Florida. Correct. Okay. See, I learn things every day when I do this show. <laughs> I kind of just made that up, but I hope it is true. <laughs> but I kind of think it is. You sounded official when you were saying it, so I believe Thank you. you. Thank you. <laughs> The show is called Cougar Tailgate. I've been to a tailgate, but I've never planned a tailgate before. You're the event coordinator. Uh, how's your week been? How's it been planning a whole uh, party for this? <laughs> My week has been crazy. This has been several months in the planning, and I I don't think I knew what I was getting into when I signed <laughs> up for this, but it's been exciting. That's good. So tell us a little bit about what you have planned. What can people expect whenever they show up to the tailgate today? This tailgate is going to be amazing. We're going to have some real alligators from wild Florida Whoa. come out. And I know it's, it's exciting. And the kids are going to be able to hold the gators and take pictures with them. We're also going to have a snowball fight. That is something that a lot of Florida kids have never experienced before. So Bahama Bucks is coming out with uh, their snowballs and we're going to have a snowball fight. Um, a big thing that is drawing in the crowds is our food. We're going to have Cafe Rio come and cater our tailgate, and that's really exciting. Oh, that's that's a taste of Utah right there. Right. <laughs> okay, so I'm glad you mentioned food because that is just by far my favorite thing to talk about. It's my favorite thing when I travel. You have a little bit of Utah coming to your tailgate, but for all the Utahns traveling out to the game, if they want to get a taste of Tampa, what do you recommend? What is What's like the flavor of your town? So Tampa, I think it has a rich history of, um, of Cuban food. We have, a, you know, and this is another fun fact about Tampa. The legend has it that the city was taken over by pirates when it first got founded. Ooh. And so we do, we have a pirate festival. It's called Gasparilla every year. And when the pirates come in town, but mostly we've got a lot of, um, a lot of Latino flair, but we've got some great Cuban restaurants and empanadas are very popular here. Um, there's a restaurant downtown called the Columbia. That's just amazing. So I would say if you want to taste of Tampa, you need to go down to Ybor city or downtown and have some of those authentic Cuban restaurants. Outside of food. What, what about some other attractions, uh, museums or parks or what else goes on? <laughs> Well, that's funny you should ask because you remember at the beginning you wanted to know what my favorite part of Florida was. I love the beaches. So yeah. <laughs> I don't take my family to do much else besides the beaches. But we do, we're a short trip. We're about an hour and 45 minutes from Disney. We've got bush huh? gardens here in town. Um, we've got some aquariums, stuff like that. But the beaches are a big, a big thing around here. So is the tailgate, where is the tailgate going to happen? Are you doing it at a beach, but being the beach fan that you are? <laughs> I wish. The tailgate's actually happening happening at a park. We couldn't get right next to the stadium, so we found this wonderful park. It's on a river, and um, it's about a ten minute drive from the stadium. It's gonna be it's gonna be perfect. Fantastic. And I, I mean, I've been thinking about what all the fans are gonna be like in Florida because I woke up this morning and it was in the 30s, and I put on a sweater. <laughs> And I can just imagine this, like, nice, sunshiny park and everything outdoors. And the tailgates that are here, like, starting next week for homecoming, I think it's there's going to be a lot of coats and a little grumpier people. <laughs> no, we're, we're not going to have that problem here. It definitely will be sunny. Um, it's funny. I was worried about hurricanes when I started planning this. Because oh, typically, we, this is hurricane season. And a lot of our alumni go and help with the... Um, 
uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Helping Hands. Mm-hmm. And so last year, no one was around this time. They were all helping the hurricane victims. So I'm just glad that there's no hurricanes here. The weather's supposed to be nice, partly sunny, warm, high 80s. It's going to be a good event. And I will say this, that my husband has been so nervous about getting cold water for everyone. He is running around getting coolers filled with ice, so everyone will have plenty of drink here today. That's Someone's got to be dedicated on everything. That's awesome. He's great, yeah. <laughs> What does it mean for a Cougar fan that, you know, you grew up outside Utah and now you're back there? What's it mean for the Cougars to be coming to your neck of the woods today? Oh, it means everything. We are so excited. We can't, I can't remember the last time the Cougars did come out this way, but everyone is so excited. And, you know, it's funny because it's supposed to be a white, we're supposed to be wearing our whites today, but I don't think the Tampa Cougar fans want to wear white. They want to show off their blue, so... It's just, we've been waiting for this for a while, and we are all very excited. We've sold more tickets than we had planned on, and it's just, the response has been incredible. That is great to hear. And yeah, like I said right at the beginning, any Cougar fan, anyone, any just football fan that tunes into a Cougar game has got to be confused when they look out to the stadium because Cougar Blue is always out there and well represented. (laughs) Yeah, we should have about three sections full of Cougar Blue or White, whatever they're going to be wearing. (laughs) Well, I had a funny uh, conversation today that I don't know if you want me to talk about, but yes, please. I got a call today from a, um, a sheriff deputy or a police, someone in the that kind of field, and he said, you know, I'm just calling because we're typically supposed to be at any function with tons of adults and in a party atmosphere like this, but we heard that you guys aren't going to have alcohol, and we're just calling to make sure if that's correct, because we kind of don't believe it. And I just laughed, and I said, you must not be familiar with Brigham Young, but that is correct. There will not be alcohol at our tailgate. And he was he was so surprised, and he had never heard of that before. So lucky for us, we don't have to get cops at our event, because there will be no alcohol. We, we bring a lot of fans, but we bring a certain kind of fan. That's true. We do. <laughs> um, living in Florida, for as long as you have other than the Cougars, what's the other team that you root for? Do you have like other vested interests in Florida college teams or pro teams? So do I have interest in other Florida teams? So I will tell you right now, there's something going on with the Tampa Bay Rays, right? Uh I'm not exactly sure what it is, but I know that my son and my husband are super excited about what's going on with the Rays right now. Yeah, baseball playoffs are in the full swing. See, I'm from Pennsylvania before I had made the trek out to Utah. And so when October comes around, I forget that baseball still happens. <laughs> well, we're, you know, to tell you the truth, my son is obsessed with the Patriots, the New England Patriots. So uh, I'm, yeah. I'm a big fan of the Patriots, but he does play baseball. And I know that the Rays are doing great. <laughs> All right. So before I let you go, any predictions for today's game, Sarah? I think it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be close, but obviously, I think the Cougars are going to pull through. We're That's going to win. what we want We're to hear. Going to <laughs> it's going to be fun, no matter what happens. Sarah Watson is an active member of the BYU alumni chapter there in Tampa and has been the event coordinator for the Cougar Town tailgate in her town today. Thank you one more time, Sarah Watson. Yeah, no problem. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you, and good luck to you, too. You're the one that's got a little bit uh, on your plate here this weekend. A little stressful, yeah. (laughs) Thank you. All right, have fun. Did you know USF coach Charlie Strong has gone up against BYU one other time, a 41-7 Cougar victory in Texas while he was the coach of the Longhorns. 
a game remembered for Taysom Hill's iconic hurtling touchdown run. Sarah Watson is a member of the BYU Alumni Chapter in Tampa, and check out that great tailgate she's putting on down there if you're in town. And big thanks to Jim Lauk, who took time out of his busy day to get us up to speed on the history of USF, or South Florida. You know, the Bulls. Today is the second road game in a row for BYU after a grueling opening month of football. So let's pause and appreciate for a moment the schedule the Cougars have had in this, their ninth year of independence. You start with four Power 5 schools. Three of them were in Provo. The same three were also from the Pac-12. And actually, those same three have all been ranked at some point during the season in the AP's Top 25. Utah, USC, and Washington. And then throw Tennessee in for good measure. Roll right from that into two formidable group of five programs, both on the road in the Eastern time zone, which is no joke when it comes to travel. There are pro teams with significantly worse records when having to travel east, and they're the ones that get paid professionally for this. Toledo, then South Florida. After South Florida today, BYU enters the third phase of the schedule, the Rivals. Now, yeah, we we opened with Utah, but Boise State and Utah State are huge games this year for Kalani, and they're back-to-back. Sort of. This is the first year in college football with two scheduled bye weeks during the season. BYU is just coming off of their first, and their second is in a couple weeks. It's after Boise. So scheduling note, there will also not be a new episode of the Cougar Tailgate on October 26th. Um... Fine by me. I will just start celebrating Halloween early around here. After the rivals, BYU has four more games. Two against Independence, one against FCS Idaho State, and then a season finale against a familiar Mountain West foe, San Diego State. And then, of course, the bowl game. I'm optimistic. We're going to be bowl eligible, right? If I just keep saying it, it's going to happen. The last scheduling note to all this is that next week isn't just any old week for BYU, it's homecoming. That means there's going to be activities all week long leading up to that game against the Broncos. Check out homecoming.byu.edu for that schedule that the BYU alumni has put together. Next week on the show, we're going to be spending a little more time than usual focused on Cougar traditions. I realize maybe more than any other school, BYU has a kind of national fan base that might have never set foot in Utah, but still cheers on the Cougs every single week. And for you, we will be explaining Lighting the Y, the BYU Spectacular, and of course talking the best food in Provo, like Cougar Tails, and ice cream from the Creamery, and anything else that I can get my mouth around. So if you can't make it to Utah for homecoming, we will bring the tailgate to you. Just like we try to do every single week, you're listening to the Cougar Tailgate, a program for the fans to learn more about traditions and superstitions and everything else that goes into the college football game outside of the normal X's and O's shows. And remember, we want to hear from you. We want to make this a fan show. So go ahead and reach out to us. Our email is cougartailgate at gmail.com. 
Tell us a story about a, a great fan experience you've had at Lavelle Edwards Stadium or on the road. Tell us about how you have to sit in a certain chair in your living room to make sure that we get the win while you're watching on TV. Anything that you got going on that has to do with the fan experience here at BYU, we want to hear about it and we want to tell that story here on the show. Thanks again to everyone that makes the show possible. We are a production of BYU Radio. My name's Cole Wissinger. Go Cougs!